two weeks ago on the eve of the Eagles' soul-crushing loss to the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl, we recorded perhaps the greatest podcast episode in the history of capitalism. However, I did not hit record on our Zoom session, so that episode will be lost to history. And what do you call a 30-minute Zoom call that you don't record and put on the internet for everyone to listen to and ridicule? Well, I guess it's just some guys hanging out. In any case, we do our best this week to briefly capture that episode. Things like the rise of ChatGPT and how it will trivialize the entire data science profession. And in fact, that it will become the greatest business-to-business software application in the history of capitalism. This week, we turn to market structure and how zero days to expiration options are re-emerging. Does it portend more volatility? What's more, we discuss the zombie corpse of Bitcoin and other crypto assets, how their correlation with the NASDAQ might barely be breaking, who knows? And if that means there is proper institutional interest again in these downtrodden tokens, whatever they are, and if perhaps that means there is institutional interest in hedging against a sovereign debt bubble. We discuss all that and more as ever. We are not financial professionals. This is not investment advice. Please don't listen to us, but please do enjoy Degenerate Business School. I actually... uh... I was thinking, you know what we need to do to increase the hype around each each individual podcast? You know how on real podcasts, this is a real one, but like ones that people listen to, they'll have feature interview guests. It's pretty much the format of every financial podcast. Mm-hmm. So my mistake has been, I need to hype you up as an esteemed person. <laughs> but we're on every week, though. That's <laughs> <Yeah>, true. <laughs> but well, yeah, people need know. reminding how long you've been in the game. Yeah, I guess that, I guess that, that doesn't make sense. But you always have like the highlights of like the best part of the pod, like at the front or something, right? Oh, I can soundbite you. Yeah, you could soundbite it if, if if you said something like interesting, whatever. And and the best the best sound bites are always always like nonsensical cliffhangers. Like, and if what I think is going to happen happens, this will be the biggest rally in the history of capitalism. And then they'll cut. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's uh, team. Yeah. Hey, so last week I uh, did not hit record 
So uh, it is not a podcast episode. And I think uh, a Zoom call that doesn't get recorded and made into a podcast is just us hanging out. So that's fine. But to recap, (laughs) to recap, we talked about whether or not we are in a suckers rally or a new dawn. I think uh, you're probably in the, uh, this is a new dawn, although you're not interested in going long yet. You're interested at the 3,800 level, which is the local, the, the previous low. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was the end of December low roughly. Yes. We talked about how ChatGPT will definitely trivialize uh, all of data science and uh, will become probably the most profitable enterprise business model of all time. To wit, uh, the short-term pessimism on Google's future is an opportunity to buy long-dated calls that your racket on Google because in the in the days of AI that are ahead of us in order to win and be relevant you have to have the capability the engineers to copy the ChatGPT neural net which the big tech companies have and you need computing power who has these Microsoft Google can I throw Amazon in there they have a lot of computing yeah. Sorry, Amazon. Yeah. So that was that. I don't think, I do not think much has changed in the market structure. We're kind of hovering around this 4,100 level. This week, the market sold off some. Uh, one thing I just want to add uh, that is not market related to recap last week the Eagles lost the Super Bowl, unfortunately. And uh, it led some some people that I saw on TikTok or YouTube to speculate that, you know, when a game is that close, the NFL really needs to institute a seven-game final. <laughs> seven weeks of Super Bowls, best of seven, definitely won't lead to massive long-term head trauma. But as an Eagles fan, I'm all for it. They should be like the sudden death or something like, like the college rule where you're at the 50 yard line and you try to kind of tit for tat. I guess it's a little bit like penalty kicks, but, but I don't know. You, you didn't want the game to end with that, with that kind of ticky tack holding call. That's too bad. Is there a formulation saying all this person, is there a formulation of American football where you don't need referees or that would just become a melee? I guess that's the problem. I don't know. Maybe maybe you limit the number of calls per per game. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. You only can call unless I don't know. There's no way to do it unless it's egregious, right? <laughs> yeah, I see. I actually think uh, the uh, the Seattle Seahawks famously would do this. It's like the only way to be an effective defense in the modern NFL is to actually just hold all the time and dare the refs to call it the entire game. Because, you know, they can't, they can't call holding on every call, but you can hold on every call. Yeah. I was playing on the edge. That's just how you do it. Yeah. Like, it's like the, the, the James Harden 
technique. Yeah. Okay, so okay. I, want ask, I want to ask you about a couple of things that are just raging on Fintwit. The first is zero DTE options, the zero date to expiration options. So obviously uh, a trader I'm not, but there's been a lot of talk about the rise of zero DTE volume, which stems from the fact that the market is essentially directionless, directionless, or people don't have high conviction about whether we're in a bull or a bear market. And when that happens, then there is more trading around like one day moves and just putting on one day trades. And our guy, I'm calling him our guy. He doesn't know us, but Imran Laka or Options Insight on Twitter. Uh, he's been talking about it. Jim Bianco has been talking about it. And the point that they're making is like, because this volume is rising, you can get into a situation where the gamma is so big on your position. Mm -hmm. You could, if, if there's a big uh, headline event, like a big surprise, right? This, this is what can happen. In your attempt to like hedge, you're like out of the money call or put, um, it can create a Volmageddon situation where the VIX shoots up. So this is like the, the uh, risk that they are identifying. So like, as you get more and more like short dated call interest, it just creates like more aggregate exposure. If there's a, a big like 4% selling day, like a massive selling day, you know, which obviously doesn't happen often. So again, as I look at the, the VIX kind of just puts in along at this like oversold level and it can stay oversold for a long time. Mm -hmm. Still think, still think there's a, a vol event in the offing. Feels like the, uh, the Enron trading strategy of trying to do like hockey stick bidding a bit, <laughs> like you're hoping for the big outlier event just to kind of get paid off but you're like, you know, paying this kind of small premium here, there, you're, you're throwing out like a bid that doesn't get taken. So yeah, I, you know, it could happen, but I, I, I think, don't we know like the open interest or if someone, if, if there's too much weight on one side, this kind of like the wall street bets kind of thing, where you're trying to short squeeze. And what if you can kind of get enough, get enough volume on the other side, if there's one, and it seems like it's playing out in, in so, some of these rallies with tech. Um, so it really, it really, uh, kind of just interesting game to play. But I think it's something similar has been done before, and you know, it's always just if you if you happen to get lucky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, apparently, what's different about this recent trend is mo most of the open interest is on the big names, Meta, mm -hmm. Google, whereas like previous, previous. Uh, iterations of this where again you just have like a, a rise in zero days to expiration options it was on the gamestop type stuff mm. you know the gar the garbage mm -hmm. like garbanzo bean stocks mm -hmm. okay i'm just I'm flagging it i'm gonna mm -hmm. go ahead and flag that one 
I don't, again, flash crash. I don't know if I want to throw flash crash or Baldmageddon out there. Maybe a bit inflammatory because you'd need a big, a big, a big event to drive that. Or maybe yeah. it's fragility and you wouldn't need to be. I don't know. Yeah, there's, you know, I remember Flash Cool. Flash Crash was what, are you talking about like the 2010 Flash Crash? Yeah, the, I think that was the first example he brought. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think someone like shorted the Dow or something. And <laughs> I, I think I was short at that point. And then, and then I, and I made 50%, but I pulled most of my money out of my short like that week because I was on vacation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That was a nice, that was a nice one. So the other, the other thing that I, uh, that is puzzling. So there is a, an animal spirits rally, but as we know, um, one thing that is definitely interesting is again, we're talking about like local trends here, but both Tesla and Bitcoin, let's call it the libertarian tech bro preferred stock portfolio. <laughs> we could probably, we could generalize it to crypto because ETH is doing the same thing. Are both like this week, they relatively outperformed the NASDAQ, which was commented upon. You know, there's this fable about, you know, Yes, all the high beta stuff is go, the correlation goes to one in a bear market, but maybe eventually, you know, there will actually be decoupling within these within this asset class. Mm-hmm. What do you make of? Again, Bitcoin's still at twenty five thousand dollars, so it's still in the wilderness, but it's kind of retesting its let's call it its like recent highs. What do you make? What do you make of this? If I made you make up an answer, so what's going on? I think I think for Tesla's case, I don't think Bitcoin and Tesla are that correlated. I think it, it, there's two different narratives. With Tesla, it was just completely oversold. You know, when you get it in that like 110, and people were calling less than 100 and their price targets, and some of those you know kind of haters. And so you just dollar cost average. I think we were trying to. I think I called that. I think early, like late last year. Yeah, you were on. And were so on. that was a. And then, so that was bound to rally. Um, and so it's, it's feels like it was just cause it was more oversold than anything. Um, and then with Bitcoin, I think Bitcoin's narrative is now a little bit more compelling than the rest of crypto, given that who the hell knows what Web3 can do. And, and also <laughs> there's this, I, I don't, I, I think it's a play for, you know, if, if a uh, USD falls on its debt, I think there's, I think Bitcoin might be an interesting play there instead of gold. You know, you want to, you know, if, if there's like the, the oncoming collapse, because I kind of like, you know, I'm never, I'm never, never a Bitcoin maxi, but I'm actually kind of looking at it now because it has a more compelling narrative in, in that sense. Okay. Yeah, it is. Uh, to your point, you're basically saying it's like, it's a call option on the end of the world. Yeah. Or that's, that's different from gold. Interesting. Yeah. Because different different in that it's it actually has no real utility and portable, like you can self-custody. It's a new play, it feels like. It's it's like because when when we were about to default our debt back in 2011, 
everyone just rushed into treasuries, but that was kind of a dumb move. I, I feel like if we do, if something like that happens in, in June, July, you know, it's going to be something different. I know everyone's going to rush something different. I feel like Bitcoin might be a play that some, some would make. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Is. Like, Oh, that's interesting. And, and it has been written of that the recent rally, I think, uh, was Willie Wu or maybe Will Clement, you know, these Twitterati guys who are like Bitcoin maxis, but they do get interesting, you know, analytics on Bitcoin pattern, like buying patterns. And uh, the like basically the, the recent uptick in Bitcoin, if you looked at when the spot buying was happening, uh, it was all happening in like big chunks and it was happening during like office hours. Ipso facto, the uh, the recent interest in Bitcoin is actually institutional in nature. Again, it's like mercenary mentality. To your point, it's like, I'm sure a lot of the Tesla rally was just like looking at the technical saying, okay, this is oversold. And, you know, I'm, a, you know, an institutional grade investor and I'm just going to buy an oversold asset and, you know, make an easy buck. Or... To your point, if you're looking at the sovereign debt picture or you think there is a potential blow up, you can use it as a, a, a call option. It's a hedge, a hedge against something like that. Mm -hmm. like Alternative it. financial system, mm -hmm. U.S. treasuries are the, the foundation of kind of our current mainstream. So you would have to you know, leave, leave, you know, have, have some skin in the game in another platform, in an alternative right. platform. So I think that's that's the thinking uh, amongst institutions. So it makes sense. Yeah, what's more, to your point, Bitcoin will benefit. It's like, you know, the Bitcoin dominance ratios, but when they're crypto winners, there's rotation into Bitcoin because it's mm -hmm. you know, all the trash gets thrown out with the tide. And the institutions, I think, at this point, are really only interested in Bitcoin and Ethereum. And then they only have... Mm -hmm custody solutions for things like bitcoin that they can you know reasonably yeah clear compliance um you know, whatever compliance they have to reckon with mm -hmm. to wit the sec is now bringing the heat uh <laughs> on crypto they did announce this week that you basically like you basically have to follow bank custodial rules for custody I feel like that is with having having read one paragraph of an article <laughs> it just seems like this is actually what Michael Saylor said would happen uh, when when uh, Terra blew up around that time or or when FTX blew up that that you'll go from like it's the wildcat banking era of crypto to like okay actually just like all the boring custodial banks will basically just hold these assets like minerals you know, other, you know, they'll custody them for you, you know, your BNY Mellons or your like JP Morgan's like the grownups will actually do the custodial work. Uh, what's more, they charged fugitive, fugitive, notorious Doquan with securities fraud. I guess that makes sense. A lot of, a lot of people lost their shirts thinking they had money in high yield savings accounts. But it's a 
you know, clearly a strong message that like they are going to pursue like the the most obvious cases like F FTX and Terra USD. Uh, and lest we leave it out, Paul Pierce, Paul Pierce, <laughs> NBA Hall of Famer. He pumped and dumped, and he's uh, he's in trouble with Gary Gensler as well. So, I actually, I, what's interesting, and maybe I'm reading this incorrectly, this is what I was kind of angling towards. So, Bitcoin and it, in ETH are showing relative strength given all of like the, you know, the FUD in like the regulatory environment. But maybe it's actually the opposite. It's actually, no, this this is creating certainty. Bitcoin is the only one with favorable, really like a, is the only uh, digital asset that Gary Gensler says is a commodity, uh, which is what Michael Saylor always tells. Like he, he, he has said that publicly. He doesn't think that Ethereum is a commodity. He thinks Ethereum is a security, famously so. Ah. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I, I really couldn't follow it. I knew that there were some new rules on staking. And so I've been thinking about staking some ETH, like the 32 and having my, you know, making my own pool or, but glad I didn't do that yet. <laughs> I'm not really sure what's going to go on. Yeah, it seems like, yeah, it seems like, uh, yeah, it, well, staking is just like a, it's like a second order risk, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm not a lawyer, but it's probably, you know, it's, it's fine to, or I even looking at it from a risk perspective, it's like, you're already in the crypto asset class, which is about as volatile as any. <laughs> and then staking is just introducing more volatility, more risk, more chance for you to just lose your, your coins. Yeah, you're, you're you're locking it up, and you're hoping that they do another software update sometime this year, where you can then yeah. take it back out. <laughs> Which, who knows if that will happen? It's like, nope, sorry, we don't. You know, we're not going to make that update. I forget who said this, but <laughs> someone someone asked like one of the t the crypto originalists, you know, who has like been in been in investing in the space forever. Like, hey, how should how should I approach like investing in such a volatile asset class? And the advice was. Uh, put your crypto in cold storage, lock it in a closet for eight years, and never look, never look at your PL. I was like, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. kind of what we're doing. Yeah, yeah. 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 I just uh, I got to the point where after the uh, emotional trauma, I just forgot about it, and I think that's yeah. actually the only thing you can do. Yeah. All right, that's all I got. Thank you.